We can't breathe. We Win presents the Winner's Circle podcast series, We Can't Breathe. The Rally for Justice, discussing the recent killings of African Americans at the hands of law enforcement and what we have to do from a holistic perspective to take action and invoke change. Here at the Winner's Circle, the conversations are different. To be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. James Baldwin. Tanisha Anderson. Michael Brown. Rakia Boyd. Alton Sterling. Eric Garner. Tamir Rice. Emmett Till. John Crawford, Freddie Gray, Eric Harris, Elijah McLean, Dontra Hamilton, Oscar Grant, Yvette Smith, Sean Bell, Amadou Diallo, Philando Castile, Sandra Bland, Trayvon Martin, Ayana Jones, Walter Scott, Atatiana Jefferson, Jean Botham, George Floyd, Brianna Taylor, Ahmad Arbery. As I searched for names of African Americans that have been murdered at the hands of police brutality. I was unable to find one collective list. There were several lists with several names, names that we've heard and names that we have never heard of. But one thing's clear, African-American men and women are dying at an alarming rate by the hands of law enforcement. This has to stop We are tired, we are angry, we are mad, we are grieving, and we're not going to take it anymore. Hey, 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 what's up, winners? It's your girl here, and we are back with the We Win Presents Winner's Circle podcast series. Um, winners, I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad that you're tuned in and listening. Um, as always, I want to say thank you for your support. Um, thank you for tuning in, for sharing and liking this podcast. So um, as you all are aware, um, I did post earlier this week that we were switching gears for a moment and taking a step away from the COVID-19 um, series that I was broadcasting on, speaking about COVID-19 and the coronavirus and things like that. Um, because I felt that there was a more pressing issue and concern that needed to be addressed. 
Um, and so we are starting our series, We Can't Breathe. Um, this will be a four episode series where I will speak with spiritual leaders, community leaders, political leaders, and hopefully those in law enforcement so that we can discuss the true rally for justice. Um, you would have to be under a rock to not know what's going on um, in the world right now. Um, here in our state of Georgia, as well as across the nation, um, there are protests erupting um, as a result of the latest African-American killed at the hands of police brutality. Um, Mr. George Floyd, who was killed by Minneapolis um, police officers um, just over two weeks ago. Um, and so now we're here. And so there's been a lot of commentary. There's been a lot of um, protests. There's been a lot of um, just conversations. And I mean, the world has literally um, come to a standstill um, because we're tired and we're angry and we're upset. Um, but these conversations that we're going to have over the course of the next few weeks will be more of us trying to figure out solutions that we can do um, as individuals, as a community, um, as a body of Christ, um, as well as, you know, going to the polls and voting. And so we're kicking off this series um, with a really great friend of mine. Um, he is going to speak from a position of politics with us today, educating, informing us, and letting us know what it is that we need to do um, on our part to invoke change within our communities and trying to get things done. Um, so this is series one of We Can't Breathe, episode one. Um, so the topic is the rally for justice, and we are discussing, of course, the recent killings of African Americans at the hands of police officers and what we can do from a political standpoint to take action. Today, our guest is Dwayne McLean. And just to give you a little background on Dwayne, Dwayne was destined for public service from the very beginning, uh, being raised in a God-centered home where stewardship and leadership was the everyday focus. He naturally gravitated to opportunities to help his community progress and succeed. Whether it was a playground debate or a high school SGA activity, Dwayne was in the center of the action, championing the disenfranchised and the underserved. Each situation prepared him for his present day aspirations to represent the marginalized voices of District 5 in the city of South Fulton, Georgia. After graduation from Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, Dwayne used his musical talents to establish his family in the epicenter of America's entertainment culture and Black excellence. He has, a, he has business relationships and strong grassroots connections in the Atlanta University Center, and he stands on the shoulders of public servants that have come before him. With over 10 years of experience in public, private, and proprietary sectors of enrollment management and higher education, Dwayne McLean brings strategic customer service solutions for District 5 with his Revive the Five platform. The time has come to renew community, to reduce crime and to revive economic development. The successful progression of the city of South Fulton, Georgia starts in the fifth district with the old national corridor, which contains the majority of the commercially, commercially zoned properties and land in the entire city. The revival has a preacher in Dwayne McLean. His Revive the Five platform is a call to action for the historic neighborhoods and stakeholders in areas like Feldworth, Buffington, Red Oak, and Burdett Park. 
Call your family, friends, and neighbors and tell them to join the revival. Wow. Welcome, Dwayne. How Great. How about you? yourself? I'm well. Thank you. That was a nice party bio. <laughs> <laughs> um, but rightfully so. Um, you know, you and I met some time ago, and I knew even back then that, you know, you definitely just had a spark and a fire. Um, definitely a debate champion. You love to debate. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, but yes, um, it's glad to, I'm, I'm glad to see the things that you're doing without, within our community. Um, I'm not sure of what my district is, but I know I am just around the corner from you. And um, all of the things that you stand on in your platform are definitely things that I think are well needed here in the South Fulton area. Um, raising my family up in, you know, here in this area. My kids went to Creekside High School and Bear Creek okay. Middle School. Um, so, you know, and I always, um, it always bothered me, I'll say this, um, when I noticed just, you know, some of the disparities between North Fulton and South Fulton, when we would play other schools, right. um, and we would go visit these other schools, and I just saw the difference from, you know, a technological standpoint, um, as well as just even, you know, on the campuses, the materials and the things that the students had access to, and it was something that kind of always bothered me in the back of my mind, because, when you think about it, it's not like we're paying any less taxes than they are. Um, right. So it's like, you know, where, um, wh- what was the, the root cause of this um, disparity and where were the issues at? So even though my children are no longer in the school system, um, I'm glad to see that we have people that are out here fighting for our kids and for our community to make a difference and, and get change going. So thank you. Absolutely. And Creekside is one of the schools that I service in the uh, Upward Bound program. I'm an educational specialist um, <clears throat> with the Upward Bound program. It's a federally funded program uh, that service and, and provide uh, resources, educational resources to prepare kids for college and also careers. Um, and we get them ready for college and they come from low income and first generation family. So the income, um, low income is based on the federal methodology that they use to look at how many people in the household and income, things of that nature. And also first generation, meaning that the parents, uh, mother or father or both are single, uh, no matter the marital status, the people in the household, the parents don't have a bachelor's. Uh, and so I'm excited to, uh, been working with this program for over two years now. Uh, I service Creekside, Langston Hughes, Westlake, Banneker, and Tri-Cities. And uh, this is an area that uh, I established my family in um, back in 2009. And so when um, I had this opportunity to come over to uh, the Upward Bound uh, family at Atlanta Metropolitan State College, I took that. Um, and uh, I left a, a good job in financial aid. Uh, I've been in financial aid, um, registrar, uh, admissions. I've been doing that for over 11 years. I started in 2007 at my alma mater at Morehouse College. And I had just uh, laid the groundwork for customer service and meeting people where they are and hearing, uh, you know, I need this done by this deadline in order to better myself. And when you're working in college and if you're working in enrollment management, every situation uh, is not the same, even though everyone's trying to get into college, get enrolled and get financial aid and get their FAFSA process and then matriculate onto a, d- a diploma, uh, how they got there and how they're the plan to get through to the end is never the same. And so I spent a lot of years listening and serving. And so when I came over to the Upward Bound side, I took all of those skills, knowledge, knowledge and ability. And, um, and now I'm helping uh, high school kids and starting at, uh, in ninth grade on, on up to uh, 
um, 12th grade and, and watching them graduate. And I just, it's very fulfilling. Uh, I feel like we're, I feel like uh, the Oberbound program is, is, is very beneficial and something that's going to be very impactful even right now in, in the, uh, the social, the social uh, climate right now. We have young kids that are very uh, astute and aware of what's going on. Um, they are a part of the hip hop culture and I consider myself part of the hip hop culture. Um, when people see me, you know, they don't notice, but I, I have two earrings in my ear, one in, you know, one in the left and one in the right. I, I very seldom take those out. I, um, when I ran for political office, I didn't take those out. I listened to some of the same music that my kids listen to, some of the same styles, although I don't dress, uh, don't wear them the same, but we wear the same brands. Right. You know, we wear some of the same brands. And, and, and so I, I, I immediately try to let the kids know you, this, you're talking to someone uh, that it participates in the same and lives in the same culture and has some of the same lifestyle choices uh, that you have. So um, just very exciting time. Uh, my kids are very eager to understand what's going on right now. Uh, I talk to them weekly. I meet with about uh, six, 50 to 60 kids weekly, sometimes twice a week. And we have over 100 kids in our program. Um, but actively engaging them uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I, uh, since around March 13th, we've been averaging around 50 to 60 kids on Zoom meetings uh, once to twice a week. And that's and right there uh, is something to be said about getting 50, 60, 9th, 9th through 12th graders on a Zoom meeting for about an hour to talk about, uh, you know, hey, what, how are you going to transition onto the online platform when that when that first happened in March? And now we're talking about things like starting Summer Academy through a virtual uh, platform and also helping my seniors uh, complete uh, the graduation paperwork, complete their FAFSA and choosing the right colleges. Um, and so, you know, it's, I'm just I, I say that I have always um being where the action is and, and like in the bio and I, I like where the action is uh, and it feels comfortable to me um, and it always gives me a reason to fight. Wow. You said so much. I don't even know <laughs> where to begin. <laughs> You're doing so many amazing things for our youth and it's, you know, it's definitely needed, especially in this time. Um, for one, let me start with saying that I can definitely relate to you um, when you mentioned that, you know, meeting the youth where they are, um, I think that, you know, where, where we are now, because you and I are about the same age, um, you know, we're different from how mm -hmm. our parents were when it, as it relates to, you know, um, the connecting right. with the youth, right? So to your point, we listen to a lot of the same music. We're, we're wearing the same clothes. Like my daughter's 20 years old and she's right. still in the closet, <laughs> you know, um, so, you know, my son and I, we can listen to some of the same music, right. not all of it, um, but there's definitely a connection with us. I, and I think that a lot of it does have to do with the fact that we, we did grow mm -hmm. up in a hip hop era. We did grow up in a hip hop generation. And so, you know, when we were growing up, we were wearing our fubu, cross our, colors, whatever, you know, right, whatever yeah. at the time, cross colors. But our parents who were only probably in their thirties and forties, they were right. wearing members only and stuff. What like is that? that? Right. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so now, you know, with the time that we're in, we are actually able to relate more yes. to our children than we than our parents were with us. And so um, I know when I was in youth ministry, that was one of the things that I think the kids sometimes 
they respected me as an adult but I think that a lot of it had to do with again my style my size um because I was very petite the fact that you know I I, I knew the lingo I knew right. what they were talking about and so sometimes it was like they felt really comfortable in sharing with me because they were like man right. she doesn't judge us she doesn't look down on us she's not mm-hmm. condemning what we're doing rather than you know she's she's meeting mm-hmm. us where we are definitely sharing wisdom and knowledge and things like that but you know she she's she's embracing us and she's embracing who we are and i think it's so important as we're dealing with the youth that we are embracing who they are not trying to change them um and and to meet them and see where they are and see how we can help lead and guide them without trying to again change them and conform them to what we right. think that they should be. um that's so um important uh being raised in a in a home uh with a pastor my dad was a principal and a pastor so i'm a preacher's kid and a principal's kid i got the double uh the double anointing as the uh some people would say um i grew grew up right i grew up in a small town uh uh, in a in a in a county uh calhoun county now that's about uh um, 30 minutes from Douglasville so it's about an hour and 15 minutes away from Atlanta, Georgia so this is the big city to me uh, I grew up in an area uh, with the cities of Anniston, Alabama Oxford and Talladega and so um, that small town feel allowed me to everyone knew who I was they knew my parents they knew my uh, my, my dad my mom uh, was in, in leadership at the uh, Alabama State Employment Office in Anniston, Alabama so um, I, it created a situation and my granddad was a pastor he was a pig farmer. He was a pastor. So I grew up on a pig farm. So when the kids say, get it out the mud, I actually got it out of the mud for real. Not the metaphorical mud. I actually <laughs> got it out of the mud. I, I grew up planting. Um, I grew up uh, uh, pulling, planting, shucking, and shelling. So if it was, if it, if you could shell peas, I had to do that. Shuck corn, pull all of that. So I was a country boy. I used to, all of those type of things. And I used to tell myself growing up, I can't wait till I make it to the big city. And it was Atlanta. Georgia. It wasn't LA. It wasn't New York. I used to say, you know what? When I get out of here, I'm never gonna do this again. I'm, ne- I'm not gonna do this. I'm not gonna do that. And funny thing is, is I'm actually um, looking into starting the garden and, and and going back to just getting back outside and and fishing and doing those things. But um, I said that to say, uh, meeting people where they are is something that I was taught uh, growing up with uh, those people in my life. Everyone knew who I was, but I was allowed um, to always uh, get out of the house and roam. I had to be home when the street lights came on, but I found myself gravitating towards the uh, quote unquote hood. And so uh, I immediately began to uh, differentiate myself from my friends and my peers, because when I would go over to their house, a lot of them will be from single parent homes. But I stayed in a two parent home and also also the uh, the uh, economic gaps. And so I did not know. Uh, until I got to Morehouse College in 1998, uh, the terms to uh, to attach to those things that I was experiencing growing up. Um, but I was able to uh, uh, come up with a, a, a being a workshop of how to meet people where they are. A lot of people grow up in church or they get taught by people, but the but the parents and the, and the adults um, don't let them don't let them their kids get into the the lab. I would say and experiment and actually put the, their hands in the dirt and, and get and, and get their hands dirty and and live through those experiences. And so uh, my parents they did a great job with that. I was raised in church, um, but I was able to uh, hang out and, and figure out what was going on. And so um, what happened was uh, I just got a heart a heart for ministry. 
Um, and a lot of times people think that when you're in ministry, you got to be behind a pulpit or you have to have a title behind your name and suits and all of that. But uh, if you're following, uh, no matter who you follow in different religions, there's always an enlightened one, a messiah or a leader. Uh, I, I can I am a Christian, so I follow Christ, the teachings of Christ. And I remember Christ would always get down and dirty with the people. And one of the stories where he actually uh, um uh, interacted with a prostitute and so you know if we're looking at that in today's times you know that you can't even, you can't get that you can't get any dirtier than that and so I just hear those stories of, of what Christ did and I said if I'm if I am to follow a man like this you know then you have to be other people and so when we're talking with these kids uh, and you were talking about our parents I think our parents grew up at a time during uh, the civil rights movement and those times where they were trying to uh, fight for different civil rights that we're still fighting for now uh but it was a dis it was a disconnect because they wanted to change things and not be like it used to be and now what we're doing in the hip-hop culture we have to uh assimilate a lot of those things and say you know a lot a lot we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater because some of the things that we're doing with our kids like you said uh should be kept and some of them should be thrown away so um i look at that and growing up in the i was born in 1980 so i remember you know, things changed for us around those 80 babies. When I came to Morehouse College in 98, no one had a computer. You had to share, you know, one guy, maybe two guys on a hall of maybe 25, 30 people had a computer. Right. And then that next, you know, in, in that next year, everybody had a laptop or a computer. You know, one year, no one had a cell phone. You had to, everybody had to uh, contract with Bell South to get a phone in their dorm. And then the next year, everybody had cell phones telling everybody, you know, hey, call me after nine when it's free. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, I'm old school, new school. Um, and so I also have to help the baby boomers and the boom, you know, quote unquote boomers, uh, as they would say, um, we have to help them kind of realize that uh, it's time for them to reconnect. And a lot of things that they don't understand about us is things that are just perpetuated back from their time. Because if you listen to their music, they were talking about shaking tail feathers and, and, do, and, and all of that type of thing. So it's just the lingo has changed. Um, um, but the, the, the energy and the vibe. Uh, still there and if we're the hip-hop culture what happened when they were hippies at woodstock and when they were hippies growing their long hair don't care lil wayne wasn't the first person to say that a lot of these kids don't know but that was a term that was used long time ago um you know um yeah so if they were hippies then and we're hip-hop now i i think it's it's not that much difference yeah yeah i would agree i would agree um i think that our generation to your point it's I think it's our responsibility and I think that sometimes in some areas we've kind of dropped the ball but I feel like we are the ones that bridge the gap right so because we know that especially when when we look at it from you know in the, in the church standpoint and we don't have to get into we we in so right. many other topics right now but um no, this is all really good information but you know some of our older saints they don't necessarily understand the young right. well, shoot, they right. don't understand us to be honest and then they definitely don't understand the yeah. what is it generation z so they're like totally disconnected and i think it's on us because like you said we have some of those old school we still have those old school values and things that we were raised on and then we also have been open and have adapted to the new mm -hmm. way of, of thinking mm -hmm. to your point yes we we have that we're in that perfect um generation to whereas we were able to 
we know what it is to go outside and play yet we also were the first ones to really get involved with the internet right so it's like we have seen both sides and so we have the younger ones that's behind us that they don't know the old school side of it so we have to we it's our responsibility to you know educate them on that and then it's also our responsibility to say to the older folks hey don't throw them out you know they they do have some great ideas and i know they don't look and think like you do but they still have some things together and let's see how we can all come together and what we can learn because the old the oldest the older people you know the the things that they know those things are invaluable like i'm sure like you said you hated shucking and you know and and being in the mud and doing all the stuff that you did but you know in those things i'm sure that you learned core values and you learned things that are still with you even today whereas there's some people who have no idea or right. no concept what that means and if you ever got to a point where all the grocery stores went away and you had to go and grow your own food and take care of your own livestock right most of Absolutely. us be lost because <laughs> we have no idea right so those things are important and so um as we are getting into what the topic is because i don't want to get too right. far away from what the topic is um, but i think this is all great talk because when we start thinking about the shift, the cultural shift that's happening right now, um, you know, I it's my belief that it's going to be the youth. It's not going to necessarily be us, but it's going to be the youth are going to be the ones Absolutely. that really truly make a difference. And so it's on us to be able to, you know, again, instill in them the values because we don't want the values yes. to get lost in translation. We don't want for you know the message and what it is that we're truly fighting for to right. get lost in translation and so we still have to stay connected with them because they're going to be the ones like you said like you said in in your bio you stand on the shoulders of the servants yes. who came before you and now we are those shoulders and the youth is on, yep. on top of us so that they can right. carry on what um, we're doing now and so i think the point that i've always uh tried to once once uh, to take it a step further, you know, meet them where they are, but also establish uh, respect and um, and reverence. And I want to talk about that for a second. You know, when we go into our uh, places of worship now, you have different, you, you know, it used to be uh, you put on your Sunday's best. That's not the case anymore. Um, I've seen people wear hats in church. I've seen people just, you know, come as you are. And then that's great. But you, if you have a spirit of reverence, reverence certain things you're not going to wear um and to move that along i think of the, today's youth a uh, struggle with knowing when to be reverent um i have a lot of discussions with my kids about when to be reverent and when you when you when you bring in reverence then you have a level of respect uh, that has nothing to do with love i always try to diff- to to separate uh, and what tina turner said what love has have what does love have to do with it um when you want someone to be loyal to you and have your back that comes from respect not love uh, to me love is a feeling for the most part and respect is an action i never seen anyone be loyal to someone because they love them uh, i've seen people be loyal to someone because they respect them and then when you start trying to keep that respect and and to and to uh work on that respect uh, then certain certain decisions you're just not gonna make because it could lose the respect and which could lose trust. But 
on comparison, if you know someone loves you and you love them, then that's when that whole that oh oh they'll understand, they'll forgive me. So you're already premeditating. Mm. <laughs> you're already premeditating something wow. based off love, but it's hard to premeditate based on respect because one small thing can lose someone's respect and their loyalty. And so I try to teach the kids, hey, let's go ahead and establish this line of reverence and respect. Once we do that, then we can uh, start talking about how we both can benefit and what's the common goal. Because you can't have a common goal if you if people don't respect each other because you're never going to agree to disagree. Are you never going to compromise? Are you never going to create a system of concessions where everybody is showing up to the table with something to give and the expectation to to leave with something in their hands? So if I'm bringing, you know, you go to the concession stand, someone is selling you a hot dog or some nachos and cheese, but you have money in your hand. So the person is giving you food. And they, get, they expect to get that money and you expect to get the food and you expect to give money. And so, you know, let's do that. And when we're starting to talk about what's going on in our society with police brutality, uh, you have a bully. Uh, you have a bully that is scared of uh, of the people that they're policing for what net for whatever reason uh, for, for, you know, basic skin, you know, basic things like skin tone. Uh, but then you can get higher. You can get go higher and start talking about intellect. They're scared of potential, uh, scared of losing their place in society, which is based off of privilege. You're scared of losing out. And a lot of that is based on money. So, you know, let's talk about, uh, first of all, our kids, uh, when you start understanding being reverent, then you can move around uh, with a spirit of reverence. But you can still have you can still be rebellious and you can still question and challenge systems that are set up, that are interlocking, that is set up to oppress you. And then so when we start looking at that, the only way that you can get into uh, breaking down interlocking systems of oppression um, and those, you know, it's a lot of those. Um, but this, the, 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 the three that I look at, uh, of course, is education in, in my background, uh, uh, fi uh, fi financial systems. Uh, when you start talking about when people start talking about getting loans and having the ability to borrow money to better to better help your family and, and, and build in the American dream, quote unquote, get a house. Uh, other uh, interlocking system of, of oppression is, um, of course, education, finance. And uh, it was one more. Um, if you have one, you can chime in too. It's another system of, um, mm. oh, oh, the family. Uh, systems of of, of, of of the family structure, how it's set up, who's at the head. Is it two parents? Is it one parent? A lot of people get caught up in that. But no matter the, the, the number of parents in the household, you still have to have a system uh, set up, uh, clear, defined goals uh, um, and what's going on in that household and, and what's the goal. You know, when you're growing up, what, what the, those that parent or parents uh, single or plural, what are they setting up for you? They're talking to you about a career. What are you doing to make yourself a citizen, a law-abiding citizen in your community to better your community? And so when we're looking at that, um, I start with reverence. And then once we establish that, and, these, and then the kids need to know uh, how to be respectful and how to be reverent in different situations. Uh, it's not always about yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, but it's, you don't say yeah or nah, it's yes or no. Uh, sometimes you do need to dress a certain way when you're in a certain type of environment um, because you want to differentiate yourself from uh, a person who might be coming to um, 
raise hell for lack of a better word if you guys are looking the same from head to toe how do we know that you are here for business and to get a job and this other person is just here to cause trouble and so when i talk to kids like that their eyes get big and they start saying you know what you write so you know even though i don't want to change the way i look uh that is a decision that i have to make if i do want to make money and get a bag and secure the bag you know when you start talking about all of those hip-hop phrases those are true and we use the lingo to to uh communicate in our community and in our culture but you know you have you can't just talk the talk and not walk the walk a lot of times you have to secure the bag uh you have to change your appearance um and uh get the job done and then you can go back and put back on what you want to be comfortable in. But a lot of times you have to step out of that level of com comfortability uh, to get the job done. And and so mm -hmm. let me so let me interject right here because this is a good point that you just made. And I think that one of the biggest challenges that we have sometimes, and perhaps you can provide insight on that, is that yes, when we having these discussions with our children, because like I said, I have a twenty. A 20 year old son 22 year old daughter um and so of course i've always groomed them up to you know be respectful learn how to speak learn how to carry yourself when you're in the presence of you know know the difference know how to you have to have an on switch on switch right. you can speak one way when you're with your peers but when you're you know when you're in front of teachers when you're in front of professors when you're in front of you know trying to apply for a job or whatever the case is coaches with my son with basketball I'm like, you always want to make sure that you're bringing your best presentation possible. However, they get it. But then there are some children, I'm not even going to say children, there's some of our youth who say, well, how I am, right? Me how I am. And, and mm -hmm. even to the point mm -hmm. of within the church, like you mentioned that earlier, you know, the church that I used to attend, we were very lax in the. Mm -hmm. um, in the dress code area, right? So it was a come as you are church. And we, you know, my pastor used to say, he would make the joke that, you know, we new age, but we still have traditional values here. But with him being, you know, in his early, early forties, right. you know, he's, he's pretty much young like us. So he's going to be in his jeans and his, and his chucks and a t-shirt preaching. Now, you know, certain occasions, of course, the collar comes out, the robes come out and, and things of that nature. But we wanted to be inclusive. So yes. how do we find that balance of inclusivity of saying, come as you are, because we don't want you to feel like we're going to condemn you or talk about you because we want you to come. Jesus wants you to come. Like you mentioned earlier, right. Jesus was a person that was of the people. So he didn't care what they looked like. He didn't care what, the, what they were wearing or where they come from. After the interaction right. that he had with them, they left completely exactly. different from how he was when he first met right. them. Um, right so because they they, they had they had a taste of the new wine and when you drink that new wine then you have a you have your level your spiritual level of spiritual consciousness elevates and you begin to look at yourself in the mirror differently and you you, you begin to say wait you know what i mean i can put on these these uh skinny jeans or whatever or i can put on this halter top or i re you know i remember um back when you remember when gaucho pants were very popular with women they were wearing those i was at a church and they were wearing those and i'm like man you know you know i mean you know you have to if you... this yeah, is, this is yeah. A, this is a level 
yeah. okay, this, this kind of crosses the line. Like, you know, I'm okay with coming to church in a t-shirt and jeans. However, I'm not okay with coming to church with the right. halter top and jeans is ripped up to the yeah. point where you see my thighs or the crack of my behind or whatever. It's a fit, so yeah, I, the I fit. And what and what are you trying to make? Uh, and what are you trying to uh, portray? You know what? 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 It, you know what are you trying to portray? Because a lot of people exactly. are, and and not just at church, just at your job. In the community, when you when you're out, you know you have people that walk around their yards, you know, and with anything on. You have people run to Family Dollar or the Publix or Kroger with anything on, bunnets and the and the slides <laughs> and the pajamas. It's, you know what I mean? It's, so, right. And so it's so funny. I I had a girlfriend of mine. She just like had a, a complete rant on social media because she said, "I am so tired of going yep. to Walmart and seeing women in their pajamas." Right. And she was like, first of all, it's unsanitary. Like, what if you in your pajamas? That means you got out of your bed, you got in your car, you walked around in the store, and you probably gonna get back and get back in the bed in them same pajamas yeah. that you've been out in the public with. That is just gross. Yeah. It's nasty. So, yes, absolutely. But um, more importantly. Um, how you know I guess the challenge that I found and even now um, you know as a as a coach and as an empowerment speaker when I'm speaking to women sometimes it's really hard to get across to them to because again you know I'm not trying to police what you wear or or tell you you know how how tight your dress should be or how short your skirt should be however you know I am trying to get you to understand um, who you are and who you are and the value that you know that the value that you should find within yourself but it's hard to do that when you say hey if you're going for a job interview yes. you should make sure that you are dressed like this or you present yourself in this way and then you see you know celebrities Instagram models or, or people that's out here that's getting it getting getting to the bag and the way that they're getting to the bag is by over sexualization and all of that other stuff so it makes it you know it, it kind of uh, i guess breaks right. down my message like you don't know what you're talking right. about cardi b cardi b's a billionaire and she took all the clothes off and she's always right. twerking make the stallion twerks everywhere she goes and she's a billionaire so why should i listen to you and not them so how since you work with the youth on a routine basis with that how do you Okay. Um, convey that message to them because you you have to ask them questions that they cannot <laughs> skirt around and that they cannot you know you know the kids they like to um uh um you know what's that phrase play play devil's advocate I don't want to, to say it, but they like to point point out the other side and I do that as well you know and like you said I like to debate because I always like to make sure that it, not just me but when we all make decisions we need to make sure that we looking at this thing from all sides so what I like to do is ask the kids and I always make sure that they can can google what I'm talking about and pull up definitions um and I just pulled up to be prejudiced because uh, right now I'm working with my kids to understand the difference between being prejudiced discriminating and being racist and so when I started talking to them I, I say hey you know um, someone's been prejudiced on being prejudiced is a preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. So a lot of times if someone's being prejudiced to you, that's because they're looking, they're just basing 
basing it on what you look like, not the interaction, not them talking with you and being on a team with you and working with you and seeing how how smart you are, how intelligent you are, or what you are even got into a, into a conversation about your morals and your standards and how you were raised. They're just basically looking at you based on what you're how you're presenting yourself. And so if we're if you if you if you talk to them like that, then it's hard for them to argue. Um, that they might need to comb their hair and, and having a nappy fro with just a temp fade might not be the right look if you're going somewhere to talk to someone about uh, uh, representing their company in a uniform um, and, and handling their money. You know, so you have to talk to the kids like that and base it around, you know, so again, getting to the bag. Securing the bag, getting enough money so they can get their first car or getting enough money so they can buy their favorite pair of shoes or getting enough money so they can take that trip, uh, their senior trip or spring break or, or you know, you have to, uh, you know, hey, you have to make it work around the money. And so when I started talking to them about that, they say, you know what, you, it, it, it makes sense. And I say, hey, you know, you don't go to a police officer and ask them to put out a fire and you don't go to a fireman and ask them to lock up someone. So these uniforms mean something. How you dress yourself in, in, the rep, in the organization that you represent is a reason why they ask you to, to dress a certain way, to act a certain way, uh, 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 codes of decorum, codes of conduct. They can't argue that. That's, that's, a, that's the best way to address that. And so moving forward with police brutality, because I want to make sure, because you know I'll get off on a tangent. And, right. <laughs> so... I was going to say, we are over right. we like 40 minutes into this conversation and we have, not, but you know what, at the end of the day, I'll say this and, and to my listeners, you know, hopefully you guys are still with us and you <laughs> haven't checked out because y'all haven't heard what y'all wanted to hear yet, yeah. but this all ties in together, like whether we want to, whether we see it or not, because we're talking yeah. about what can we do as a community? What can we do as individuals? How do we talk to our youth and how do we have these conversations yeah. with one another so that right. we can get through this? Because this is all part of it. I just watched the video. I don't even want to say this woman's name, but there's a woman on social media. Her name is Candace Owens. And um, I really just- I watch her too, by the way. I watch says, her too. But she literally, so if, if you look, if you've heard this latest video right. where she completely tore apart George Floyd, um, she said everything from mm -hmm. he, um, we're trying to make a martyr out of him. Right. She brought up the fact of that he had a criminal background. Mm -hmm. She brought up the fact that he had drugs in his <laughs> system, and so everything that she possibly could say about this man negatively to to mm -hmm. you know disenfranchise enfranchise him to disparage his character and who he was to essentially say you know you guys are trying to make a martyr out of this man right and he was being a criminal and he was this and he yes. was that and yes. that's exactly what this system does to us because of how we look and it's not fair so by no means am i saying it's fair and by no means am i saying what she said was valid because it wasn't because it, it didn't matter what this man did what he looked like or what happened right. or what he was doing right he did not deserve to die the way he died period so but it goes back to what the conversation that we're having right now to the point where you said the police department and law enforcement yes. it's yes. my belief that it is a systemic culture yes. of racism prejudice and discrimination of minorities they see us yes. and they automatically put us into a category they automatically generalize who we are by where we live <laughs> by what we're doing and so we automatically become a right a target danger all of that that's that's what they see when they see us 
And so I'm not saying that we should change our yes. appearance because we can't change our color. However, to your point, yes. there are certain things that I feel like yes. we can do and we need to do on our yes. side. So this is like a housekeeping message. It's like kind of like how when your parents sit yes. down and they talk to you about what goes on in this house. Like we can't control what goes on in the world, but right now we're talking about what we can control that goes on. In this and house. I'm glad so you said that because that's how I approach it all. And and I I'm, I keep looking at the questions that you sent me. And I'm going to make it all make sense. Hang with me, guys. Everybody listening. So, um, Candace Owens, if you go Google her, Google her background and look her up. Uh, she's da- uh, she's damaged. Uh, she was hurt by she was once a Democrat, I think. And she tried to get some things set in place and it didn't happen how she wanted to happen. And so she's bitter and damaged. So she's hopping over to another side and she's spewing rhetoric uh, that makes uh, sense to people who want it to make sense so okay regardless of what george floyd had going on and his his criminal background he was still a human being and he does deserve not to be killed um and so everything else that she was talking about they they can have statistics they can have numbers all of that i don't want to talk about because we're not celebrating him and we're not saying that he was a leader in the community we're saying that he did not deserve to die and so when you start talking to people that don't want to address the issue at hand which is his death and being murdered then uh you know people like candace owens are they're probably setting themselves up to run for political office and she's trying to get clicks and she she definitely gets my click because what i'm doing is watching and I know that she represents and she she has a voice and she represents a lot of people, how they feel. And so I, I watch her because I know that I will come in contact with people yeah. that feel just like her and they're not going to say it. And so what I can do is I can have a conversation with you um, because I've already can tell by you, by how you're acting and what you're saying. <clears throat> Um, that you that you identify with that, and so uh, moving 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 it forward. Okay, so now we're talking to the kids about respect and being reverent and knowing who you are, where you come from, and 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 what's going on currently. You know, yeah, in 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 a uh, what's the term they use in a in a world where everything is right. Yeah, you are. Uh, you should be allowed to do whatever you want to do, dress how you want to dress, say what you want to say, listen to what you want to listen to, and people should just you know uh, shouldn't judge you by that. But that's not what's going on so let's step take a step back into reality and know when you do get into the car everyone needs to have on their seatbelt. if you do get into the car with some of your friends they like to drink and drive you need to strongly suggest um that you are people of color in a car and you cannot just have the the freedom to break the law you can't have the free you don't have the freedom to bend the law it is other uh ethnicities and races that have that luxury to bend and break the law without being murdered uh without uh, being taken to jail and so if you're not part of that that demographic then you need to act accordingly if you're going to leave outside of your house and try to take care of business uh as a as a citizen and so i tell my kids that so if we're talking about police brutality and you know you're dealing with a bully and you know you're dealing with a system that has been set up for you to win for you to lose and for you not to win and to take you to jail you need to act accordingly every day i leave my house i try to make it back home to my family it's certain things and certain decisions that i could make that would probably uh give me a better outcome and probably make me feel better or happier and have fun but i don't make those decisions as a black man because i know that i don't have the luxury and that is just the bottom line and so when we the root cause of police brutality we talked about it is being in a system uh, that's been set up 
that does the racial profiling. It does just the profiling and based on stereotypes. And so we looking at and talking to our kids, we can control that, you know, and um, uh, the point that you were making with Candace and, and what she's trying to set up politically is we have to get out and understand what we're dealing with and have to vote. Uh, people like Candace understand how the voting, because if you pay attention to her, she moves around and does rallies and puts the public in agenda. Um, and so mm-hmm. once we get our kids to pay attention mm-hmm. and start having conversations about respect and being reverent, then we can start talking to them about, OK, we got your attention. Uh, we got you thinking about, you know, how to act, when to act and where to act. Let's focus on uh, organizing and seeing what's important and breaking down the laws and policies that set up for the police to brutalize you and to do what they want to do. And so that's the next step. You you asked me to talk about um, my thoughts and efforts about pushing for hate crime legislation here in Georgia. Simply put, we need hate crimes. Uh, All of these southern states have been built on uh, the backs of slaves. Um, but then when it came around, they created Jim Crow because we were getting too, uh, like they were saying, we were getting too uppity and we were getting people were getting uh, people were getting uh, voted into Congress and Senate. And we had black Wall Streets all over the place, you know, and, and so they created these Jim Crow laws just to put us back in our place. But what they also created was a sense of uh, how can you fly a flag that lost the war? I think that's called. Um, What's the term for that? If you lose the war, you can't fly your flag. You can't just to to something that lost. And so the Confederate flag right. lost. Why is it still being flown? I don't understand that. Right. So. Right. I, I've never understood that. I mean, in part, you know, I even tried to, you know, because I, I try to be objective and I say, well, you know what? They want to have their, you know, they, they want to have their their um their pride mm-hmm. or you know their white history or, or what have you you know at some point i was like you know let them have it but at the same time i'm like no because it's offensive and it's a reminder and it's a way for them to try to pretty much right. you know um invoke fear in us and in, and, and let us know yeah. pretty much where they stand and how they feel everything that that flag represents is you know yeah. against, is that is that term here um against black people is it it's not uh, so, heresy heresy you know, i can't I, I need to look up that word while we're talking um but you know why they do that because they know that the american flag they don't stand for what they the flag is supposed to stand for um they want to blindfold themselves with the flag and they know what's going on so it says i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god um, they try to ignore that because they play around and use uh, religion to uh, justify being inferior over someone. Uh, one nation under God, indivisible. We're definitely divided. Uh, we're liberty and justice for all. So if you're going to play, yeah. pledge allegiance to that flag, how can you be racist? And so even with Drew Brees right now, he had to backpedal back and, and try to, and you know, whoever his PR people, they did a great job. And, you know, uh, I'm all about redemption and apologies and, and for being forgiveness. So, you know, I, I just hope that um, Drew Brees actually has a good heart like he said he has and and, he, and does the things that he said he's going to do for the people in New Orleans and outside of that. But one thing I did recognize is he tried to blindfold himself with the flag and just try to stick to the flag when it really wasn't about, about that. Just like it's really not about celebrating George Floyd's life. We're actually using his death as an example because it happened on 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 tv for that you know it wasn't on tv but it actually was 
Um, and that's what Candace and people like that miss. Candace and, and Drew Brees and other, and other people that try to blindfold themselves with the flag uh, because they don't want to actually uh, understand what that flag stands for. They just want to use it as a symbol uh, to push something that they know uh, is set up for them to benefit from. Whether she's going to benefit uh, by her being a black woman, she's probably going to benefit by getting a, a, a position in the Republican Party and and, and eventually running for office, I think. And, and even with Drew Brees, he wants to sit back and, and benefit from being uh, in the locker room with brothers and, and being on a team with, with black men. And then you want to sit back and try to lean back on saying that you are trying to represent uh, the legacy of your grandfathers and what they fought for. Um, but I always tell people, recite that that national anthem. And if you can look at yourself and still be a racist, then that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, right. because even the the very last part of it, justice for all, that means all. That doesn't mean all white people only. It doesn't mean all white men. It doesn't mean all. But, you know, they don't see that. And again, to your point, to, to use the flag. And, and that's why, you know, when I saw his initial statement about I still, you know, don't condone, you know, people kneeling right. for the flag. I was like, first of all, that's not even what the issue is right now. Right. So why are you still <laughs> harping on that? One. Two. Um. The mere fact that if we could go back and discuss, you know, when Colin was interviewed about his decision to kneel, you know, he spoke with Green Berets, people who were in the actual military, who said, if you're going to do anything, we want you to kneel, not sit, not, you know, kneeling right. is not considered to be, mm -hmm. to being disrespectful. We would, you know, we will take the kneel. Um, and so it was to bring to light the very thing that we're protesting now. So just imagine if, you know, Colin's protest would have sparked, you know, yes. change in the conversations and the things that's happening right now. But it didn't. And, and that's why, and, and I know I'm kind of all over the place, but, you know, a lot of people are outraged about the protesting mm -hmm. and, you know, more so about the, the damage to property and the looting and things of that nature. And so, you know, by no means am I a fan of looting or destroying property. However, I also feel like, right. you know, we've been peaceful protesting for the last 20, 30 years. We was peaceful protesting when Rodney, well, after Rodney King, that was the riot. But, but since that point, we can pull up the numbers to see how many people have, how many African-Americans have been killed by police since that time. We marched. I marched for Philando Castile. I marched for, you know, several others that were killed and there was nothing. They turned a deaf ear right. to our cause. And so now we have your attention. Now you're listening. Yes. And sometimes bad things have yes. to happen in order for change to take place and for change to transpire. And so while I'm not, you know, I'm not excited, you know, that Atlanta's burning or that these places are burning. However, yes. I feel like now we have your attention because I feel like if these things were not done, right. those officers probably would have never been arrested. Right. And then we have to keep going and not take our foot off the gas because now Breonna Taylor's case has been reopened. These were cases that th these officers were scot-free. They were living their lives. They had killed th these black right. people and no one even thought anything else about it. And so it wasn't until we said, okay, enough is enough. We're tired that now things are starting to happen. It shouldn't come to that, but it, it almost reminds me of, you know, when you were little and you I, know, did. I didn't get a lot of I when I was small <laughs> because I was a pretty good kid, but you know, sometimes 
your mother tell you a few times right i'm not gonna tell you again stop playing and they'll give you a few warnings but you don't stop until that switch comes out and you get a whooping now you done and i'm not by you know, this is not a promotion for um child abuse at all let me put that disclaimer out however sometimes Sp- but the uh the bible says spare the rod and spoil the child and so they've been they've been giving us gasoline They've been, the yep. they've been giving us gasoline, giving it's us gasoline, and they, then it they don't expect for the uh, the marginalized and the uh, un- underrepresented people not to start a fire. And so, um, let's let's talk about let's talk about uh, voting um, because that's the next step. Um, once we get once we get people to to uh, to slow down. Um, um, one of the scriptures says, be still and know that I am God. So with COVID-19 and the pandemic, everybody had to be still. I don't, you know, I don't know how long people uh, sat still. Some people sat still for longer than others, but I do know that everybody had to sit still for whatever, however long that you, you know, had to sit still and know that I am God. And um, now that we got people attention and, and, and looking at respect and being reverent, um, and, and looking at who you are in the mirror, accepting who you are, loving who you are, and that's and that's one more thing about Candace. Uh, I just wanted to say, hopefully she she somebody might get this to her. Uh, you can look at you you. She sounds like she doesn't love who she is, um, and so when she starts loving who she is, when she starts loving who Absolutely. she is and accepting who she is, no matter who she's married to, no matter what her kids are gonna look like, no matter the blood mixing and what other ethnicities, all of that. That's that's great because I'm all about the kingdom. And in the kingdom is no race. Uh, we're just beautiful people uh, lifting up the most high and everybody's uh, vibrating, elevating and serving their purpose um, and treating everyone right and doing the golden rule. Treat everyone how you want them to be treated. So um, hopefully she gets to the point where she will see uh, that a lot of things that, that she's saying she's being used uh, to further uh, an agenda where people just don't want to um, admit to their privilege. They don't want to give up their seat at the table where we are not even present. Um, and so uh, we got to vote. We have to vote um, and we have to vote because um, the definition of racism is prejudice, discrimination and antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on. Listen, guys, based on the belief that one's own race is superior. So I always ask a lot of black people when I get when I get an audience um, and I'm also working with my kids uh, about this. Um, and some of the and some of the people staff said that yes, black people can be racist. A lot of my kids chimed in, yes, black people can be racist. So Tab, do you think a black person can be racist before I go on? Right, and I agree because by definition, I don't prejudice, discrimination, and antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. So right now, people, I love my black skin. I love my black heritage, my culture, and I believe that I am. Uh, all that with a bag and, and a big bag of Doritos. But the reality is I'm in a system that my race is inferior. And so if the white race is superior in in the systems that set up in the interlocking systems of, the, of oppression, then we can't, a black person cannot be racist because we're not inferior. The only person that can be inferior uh, race, the inferior race can be racist. Another one is the belief that all members of each race possess exactly. characteristics exactly. or abilities specific to that race, especially as to distinguish it as inferior or, super- or superior to another race or races. So we have a system set up by our forefathers and all of that. And if you want to go with the whole Pilgrim and Plymouth Rock or whatever, we're not going to get into that. But those people set up a system 
that looked out for a certain race, but also pushed down another race. So they established the inferior and the superior uh, definitions. Yep. Of course, even if you date back to the right three fifths, we were not even considered to be a full person. We were considered to be three fifths of a person. So we can't. That alone tells us that we do not. Yes, and we can discriminate. We now we might be prejudiced. No way. And we can discriminate, but there's no way that we can be racist. Yeah. Another thing is they always refer to us as the minority. So that alone. Right. And so if you understand that, we can't be racist. And we move because we, we, uh, you, you definitely. I, I I think I'm the moderator now because I gotta, I gotta keep you on this, on this. uh, (laughs) But yeah. So, so now we got, now we have to vote (laughs) because you want people to look like you look to represent you when it's time for policy and lawmaking in your community. And so that brings me to this. Uh, I had a program when I was running for office uh, at City Council District 5 back in November in the city of South Fulton. Uh, one of my programs that I got a lot of uh, positive feedback on. Uh, and shout out to Corey Reeves. He's actually the city councilman uh, for District 5. Uh, a good brother. Um, I, I didn't give him the, the run. The, I didn't give him the run of his life uh, like I wanted to. But I'll be back in 2023. Um, and but right now I'm working with Corey in District 5 and also in all of the districts in the city of South Fulton to make this the greatest city. We're, we're, uh, we have over 100,000 um, people, black people. I think we're the blackest city in America right now. Um, don't quote me on that. But the last time I looked, we were. I think we we're about uh, over 95 percent black. So we have an excellent opportunity uh, to put some things in place. We're right by the airport. Um, we have a lot of untapped land. I remember listening to a development authority person. Uh, on the on the Fulton County Development Authority, I'm not gonna say his name, but he was talking about how he loves uh, South Fulton and this and that and and all of that. I have a friend that say this, that, and the third. I've been trying to teach myself to say that because I really like how that sounds. Like he has a yeah, this, that, and the third. But um, yeah, he was talking about how he like, loved like and what was happening. People, if you live in the city of South Fulton and in, in, in the South Fulton area. Uh, it's a lot of untapped land that they're coming to get. They've already built built up uh, north the, the north side of, of uh, Fulton County for the most part, and they're coming down here. So, if you're interested in real estate, if you look, if you understand real estate, commercial or residential, uh, you need to get down here and get involved. And so, start going to these city council meetings. Oh, and the question is, how do I f- figure out what's going on? How do I get involved? First thing you do is look up the city that you stay in, know your jurisdiction, know how the police works in your jurisdiction and start going to city council meetings. All of this is public notice, no ordinance, no city ordinance, which is for the most part rules that they um, they vote on to govern us is not passed unless they have a public notice. Nothing is voted on by your city council person. And I hope you know who your city council person is. I'll get into that very shortly. Um, nothing is voted on without it being a public notice. And so when I got involved and decided to, to run and get, and get involved in politics, I noticed that uh, outside of a, a major event, uh, something like, uh, let me see what made a big turnout. Now, I'm telling you, people come for proclamations. The, the, the city council meetings are full with proclamation with people getting proclamations. And, you know, you did a good job working with uh, uh kids or xyz and 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 all of that but after the proclamations are passed out and it's time to get the work in and 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 talk about issues everyone leaves so if you want to figure out what's going on if you start going to city council meetings i guarantee that you will fi- figure out what's going on in your community in your city at least a year almost sometimes two to three years ahead of time 
And so if you are a business person and you want to be an entrepreneur or you just want to figure out what's going on, if you start going to your city council meetings and getting involved, you'll figure out what's going on way ahead of the time before you read about it in the paper or you see something being built next to you. You wonder why you have, we have the, a lot of these uh, shipping um, businesses and mm-hmm. industries in, 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 in South Fulton. And that's because people don't go to and, and people don't go to city council meetings and say, hey, I don't want this in my backyard, because before you look up, you'll have a big building in your backyard um, between you and they call it a buffer. They'll throw a couple of trees up. That's going to take a couple of years to hide it. And then you start hearing trucks all the time early in the morning. They start tearing up your road and you start complaining. And then it's too late because you should have went to the city council meeting and voted. And you should have you should have talked to your council person that you should know that you probably didn't vote for. And you want to say, hey, I know who you are. You represent my district and I don't want this in my neighborhood. So on the local level, uh, let's take this energy that we're that we're using to protest um, and let's take all of this energy. And and when we're finished marching and protesting, uh, let's march in the same way. Almost literally, let's march to the polls. If you if you're not worried about if you're not worried, if you're not worried about COVID-19 right now, because I see Say a lot of people out without masks and, and all of that, and even with masks on, I don't want to hear you talk about mail-in ballots, which is fine. I know Biden and Obama, they're talking about mail-in ballots, and that's cool. I understand that. But a lot of these people are, 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 are upset, and they're getting out with their mask on, with or without the mask on. If you can march and protest uh, for police brutality, you can definitely march. You're behind to the polls and vote and stand in line and while you're in line share information so that's what i want to see i want to see us continue to protest all the way up until november so we can vote the person that's in office out because that is the only way that we can get people in office that look like us and it's not it's not so much about at the presidential level as much as it is at the local level you want to have people that looks that look like you that 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 shop in the same um, um, locations as you um, making these laws and, and getting these laws passed. So let's talk about what happens in our community and back to the police brutality. I had a, a, a uh, program called Cop Hop that I want to put in place that I, that was on my platform. And so Cop Hop is exactly uh, what it sounds like. Uh, I need the cop to hop out of their car and I need for you to under, to, to, to work your, your, your area, your beat. I remember growing up, they were called beat cops. I don't know if they say that. Not right. Right. Exactly. So we need to know who you are and you need to know who we are. So if you know that Miss Johnson likes to bake cakes or she likes to cook, she might have a plate for you. And while you're and while you're talking to her at her door or she might invite you inside to have something to eat or on your lunch break or whatever. Right. She's going to tell you everything what's going on. That's not snitching people. That's looking out for the community. And that's relationships because I'm so tired of people protecting their their grandsons, their nephews, their brothers when people are breaking in houses and committing crimes in our community. If they do a crime, no matter who they are to you, you need to separate that and teach them a lesson. And we need to let them know that this is not to be accepted in our community. And if you continue to do that and victimize us, and vandalize, then we will have to report you. People need to quit protecting their family members just because they're your family members. If they are committing a crime, we need to set up a, 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 a system. We need to have a process in place. No, I, I'm not all for just throwing people in jail, but if we try to rehab 
and try to have re re rehabilitation things set up and this person still don't want to act right we have to get them out of our neighborhood and and the police need to know who lives in houses who own houses who's visiting all of that that's not that's not privacy issue that is the police protecting and serving that's exactly what they need to do so if mr johnson likes to smoke a cigarette and drink a beer at night around about eight o'clock and rock around his property the, the police need to know that's not a robber. Uh, that's that's somebody who's a homeowner that is that is exercising his rights at his home. And so that's what right. a cop hop program is about: getting out of the car, knowing your community, knowing what's going on. And so we need to be able to ask the police as a resource: Hey, I noticed this person walking around in the neighborhood. Or did you notice this? And that's not snitching. That's using the resource and the person that's paid to do their job to protect and serve, and instead of brutalizing. And so we we know who they are and they know who we are because what happens is I grew up, my grandmother so, used to say, they go to cop, you better act right, you better sit down, they go to Mr. Policeman. We need to be doing that in our community because we 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 create exactly. that that vibe and that energy because we don't want a lot of people out here, educated people, strong brothers and sisters that make a lot of good points. But they and they don't tell they don't want the police in their community. How can we not want the police in our community? But then we want them to show up when something happens. Where the hell are they if nothing is happening? They just can't be sitting in at the precinct way across town or somewhere else. They have to be in the community. I like to see the police in my community because I am not doing anything wrong. Maybe sometimes if I am bending the law and speaking. If, if, the, if the speed limit is 65 and I'm doing 75, I'm not mad that the cop is there doing his job. I I put my foot on the brake and I slow down. Or if I forget to put on my seatbelt, I put on my seatbelt. Because what we have to do in our community, Black people, is we have to be comfortable with seeing the police and they have to be comfortable with seeing us. Because if we can't, if they think that every time they see us, we rolling our eyes or making faces and, and we are we hiding or we, we seem fidgety and nervous, then now we have a thin line between if someone's doing their job and what we're doing. Everyone has to be accountable. And if we want the police to go back in and our government to start just to reset on the whole the technique of being a police, we also, while they're doing that, we need to have a candle burning on both ends. We need to get in our community and teach our kids, hey, the police is 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 you want to see them. And that, and and he just not going to you you know, you don't want to see the police just when something bad is going on or you're a bad person. That person is there to protect and serve you and serve as a resource. So you don't have to walk around with a gun in your pants let them let them carry the gun so so let me say this because i'm you sorry oh whole, whole lot and i was trying to like jot down notes so i can remember what i wanted to say why you no 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 it's fine because you're very mm -hmm. you got very passionate about it and that's that's really these are the types of conversations that we had so um overall mm -hmm. i would say that what it boils down to and what it sounds like to me is relationship right it's relationship and so we have to think about the relationship that the current state of the relationship right now between community minority communities and police officers so to your point yes there was a time when police officers policed their communities on foot patrol they knew the neighbors they knew the community they knew the business owners um they had relationships with them so they trusted them yes now over a period of time that trust has been broken on both ends yes. rightfully so i mean criminal to criminals and criminal activity needs to be dealt with period however we we do understand though that the reason why we do not trust right. the police 
is because of the way that the police have been policing our communities. So that's one. So we have to get down to the root cause of, again, why are we policed the way we are? That's what needs to be changed. If, you know, if it was, if it was, if, if someone asked me, I would say that we need, that law enforcement needs to be reformed. Their technique, their approach, all of those things need to be looked at um, and so that we can begin to trust them again, because it's not going to be us just trusting them. We don't trust them because we know for a fact right. that when a police officer... That's their job, them, though. That's what they're supposed to do. They might just run out tag just to see. And so, you know what I'm saying? So, right. I get that. However, they have... And again, it's both sides, because I'm not going, I'm not going to lie right. to you. There were times back in the day when... Yep. I might have been riding dirty. My insurance yep. wasn't right. And the cop gets behind me. I'm nervous automatically. He's going to run my tag. He's going to see my insurances. You know, I've had relatives locked up or arrested because their registration was yep. um, suspended because their insurance lapsed or whatever the case was, which goes into a whole nother economic piece that we haven't discussed yet. But there's no reason why my brother should get pulled over because he has, uh, you know, um, a lapsed insurance and that leads them to beating him up or roughing him right. up to, just to take him for you know what i'm saying something that's not even considered a violent crime so we have to get back to how they're policing us why they're policing us the way they are and getting into police reform i absolutely agree with you on that i think that that is like the number one thing because i think that in order for us to move forward change has to happen right trust has to be reestablished. they don't trust us we don't trust them another thing we have police yep. that police our communities that don't know us yep. that don't know anything about us that don't live in our communities that didn't grow up in our communities so we have joe schmo who lives in villa rica or out um you know out somewhere in kennesaw and he doesn't know anything about black people except for when he comes to work and he sees what he sees. And so he doesn't have a relationship with us. He doesn't live with us. He doesn't, you know, he yep. doesn't understand our culture. He doesn't understand how we operate. And so when he comes and he sees all of us as a threat, he's trained to see all of us as possible criminal activity. And so he's going to police us that way because right. he doesn't take the time to figure out who's in the community to get to know them. I would prefer yep. that we have yep. people who look like us policing us. That's my next thing. Is that we need to have people, and I, you know, the the um the profession of being a police officer isn't a popular one. Number one, the salary sucks. Right. They, they are walking targets for thirty five to forty thousand dollars a year. No one wants to do that. <laughs> but you know, we have to start getting more people involved, same way as in the school system, getting more black male teachers to teach our young men. So we need to have right. more of us policing us, teaching us, leading us, guiding us. So that's the next thing. And the other thing that you mentioned about getting out into the polls and voting, that's so important because that, as you and I discussed earlier this week, and I also had a discussion with my girlfriends, is that you know yes we all are protesting right now and we're you know we're on fire and we're up in arms for change but it's not an either or it's not a protest or vote it's not a boycott yes. or vote it's a boycott protest right letters right petitions and vote like voting has to happen because to your point 
we had people that are in office who do not represent us who do not right. represent what we want who do not speak to the platforms that are in our best interest right but we sit back and we don't vote to get people in there that's going to speak on our behalf the only time we vote is for the presidency which is crazy to me because even the, the, the presidency is like on the the last of my list number one i'm not going to say that my vote doesn't count because it does right. count However, we do know that the electoral college supersedes the popular vote with presidential elections. So, we our power is somewhat limited in that office. However, when it comes to Congress and Senate and governors and all in city council, you know, I I need to know who my city council person is. I had a discussion right. with my girlfriends on that, and most of them said, "Well, I don't even yep. know who's in my district." And I said, "Well, that's our I said that's our laziness because yep. all of the information is there. All we have to do is go yep. to the city of whatever city you yep. dot org, and it will tell you everything that's happening. It will tell you what we're voting on. Another thing is when when like to your point, when things are trying to get passed, you know, they put long before in those amendments and things long yes. before it comes up on the ballot saying this is what's going this is what you're going to have to vote on the it's high level but that's the politician's job very, to explain um, it to you because that's what you know, he does he he works for you so you don't we don't have to understand all of the language in in the ordinance just like you have you hire a lawyer so you don't have to understand legal jargon <laughs> yep exactly so explain this to, to me explain this to me due diligence yep. to say you know what i noticed that explain yep. this to me you know what i i need to know what Dwayne mcclain's platform right. is i need to know that he is about making change in our education system because these are what my concerns are these are what my issues are i am a taxpayer i am a homeowner and right. i don't like to send my child to school because our schools are ranked the bottom of blah 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 and these are the kinds of conversations that we need to have that we need to take to our again our city council group our representatives and if they're not right. doing or acting upon what we want them to act on then it's on us to get them yep. out and just because they're an incumbent if they're an incumbent and they're not doing what they're supposed to do then they need to go as well but we cannot sit back and, and just you know continue to to complain and not do anything about it and and so even right now as we have been protesting for about eight days or so you yes know, i wanted to know okay right now that we have their ear and we have their attention what are our demands who is speaking up on our behalf i i sat in on uh -huh. a meeting yesterday um with the president of the georgia chapter of the naacp woodall and he spoke about some demands that they're making in um in response to what happened with Ahmaud Arbery, because um, you know they're the Georgia chapter, and so a few things that he, um, I didn't get all of them, but one of the things that he took, spoke about was um, they're demanding for judicial accountability right. um, for resignations of you know the people out there in Glen County, where the um, Brunswick um, release of info mm -hmm. to family because he right. spoke about how the family did not see the video and things like that until everyone else did. Um, and they also spoke about crit, um, critiquing and being more critical yes. in, of the technique and approach of law enforcement. So these are some of the things that they are demanding be performed and be changed. Yep. And, and I think that's great. I also know that, um, and we spoke about this, the hate crime bill um, that Georgia, the one in four state, four 
you know, four states within the country that does not have yes. um, hate crime legislation. And we had it once upon a time, and then they voted it out. Again, that's us not using our voice. When we start thinking about, even on the presidential level, when they show, um, you know, one of the states that Trump won, and then they show the number of black voters that didn't vote. And not saying that everyone wasn't going to vote for Trump, but it just shows you that we're not using our voice and we're not using our power. So we're angry about what's happening. We're angry about the police brutality. We're angry about our black men and our black women dying at the hands of police. But we have to do something besides be angry. We have to act. And right. one of those actions and one of the most important actions that we can Fulton County Sheriff, absolutely. We vote for uh, uh let me let me chime in real quick. We vote for Fulton County Sheriff, the Fulton County DA is up. Uh, uh my Morehouse brother Sean King. Uh a lot of people have a lot of things to say about Sean. Um, but uh I was raised to don't shoot the messenger and pay attention to the message and not so much as the messenger, um, because we all not perfect and a lot of times uh, a lot of people can say some some things that can be beneficial in our community and you just need to take the message, not the message. And so Sean King has been pushing a lot of civil rights initiatives. One of his biggest ones is getting the D.A., the district attorney in the counties in the in the states of the United States. Pay attention, guys. Listen to this again. The D.A., if you go back and research, the, D, D, the D.A. Um, is the district attorney and in, in, in the counties that he represent, he represents, he influences how uh, things are per- are processed and per- um, prosecuted. Um, that's your lead prosecutor uh, when it comes to taking uh, uh, handing out uh, fine sentences and sending people to jail. And so in Fulton County, Paul Howard has been the DA for I don't know for how, I don't know how long. Um, that's another one of my Morehouse brothers, but I'm not endorsing anyone. Uh, on that, uh, but just saying, pay attention to your district attorneys, and that's one of the that's one of those local elections that we have to vote on. Also, judges very important right now in Fulton County. It's a lot of judges uh, seats that are coming up for election, and so when we start complaining about what's going on in our community, and again, we're talking about police brutality. Let's look at the district attorney. Spend some time looking at who you actually want to be the district attorney. If Paul Howard is the incumbent, look at his record. What has he done in Fulton County? Do you agree? Do you not agree? then let your vote show because the one way that we can organize the initial way to organize is to vote because a lot of times when we're talking about the NAACP and and a lot of those other organizations it's political as well tab a lot of these organizations that represent us in our community they are heavily involved in politics but one way one way that you can influence the the politicians is to vote because it's Absolutely. a three-headed monster and, and we talked about that and you wanted me to uh share that and i think it's uh, the right time you have an activist you have an organizer and you have a politician and it works in that chronological chronological order for the most part and that's one of the reasons when i actually looked at that it's one of the reasons why i chose to get into politics and 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 run for political office because i could be all three i could definitely activate an act, activist don't care what they who they hurt they just have voice has to be heard right is right wrong is wrong and they want to activate people they say what they want to say they don't pledge allegiance to anyone other than on the side of right and you activate people and you get people in their emotions and you get people protesting and you get people being uh uh pushing uh, the envelope and, and challenging systems and then you have an organizer the organizer gets the information together. They, they, they're very keen in human resources. They're very keen in pulling resources together, coming up with a, a plan, 
uh, and, and strategic plan and implementing that. So you you activate, you organize, and then you politicize. The, the politician is the last person you come to because you come to them with demands. You come to them and say, listen, we voted you in and we will continue to vote you in as long as you push our agenda because you represent this district, you represent this city, you represent this state, you represent a country. And so what we have to do in the black community is understand that, that flow. Activate organize and politicize and so the politician i understand uh that the power is in the people and so i want people to come to me and say this is what's going on come to a town hall meeting uh we have we, we have meetings at our home association a lot of people don't participate in those home associated meetings and they just you know pay their dues and they, they don't care what's going on so now you got a president of a hoa that just does what they want to do all of these things all of these things are political people and so we have to break this down and so we want the NAACP to do better and want to be more involved because a lot of people talk bad about the NAACP well NAACP is political and I don't care if some people are listening I said it they do great work but it's still political because at the end of the day they're only going to work as hard as the people that are holding them accountable that are holding them accountable and the only way that you hold people accountable is is if you let them know that you understand your power in a democratic system and you go vote that's it (laughs) yep that's it that's it so i think some of the power words that i hope that people take away from this is one we talked about relationships the importance of relationships we talked about accountability self-accountability and accountability of others there are things that we have to do as individuals there are things responsibilities that we have as citizens of the united states of america you know we have the right to vote we have the right to be involved you know and we have to hold those that we choose to represent us okay. accountable. Now, while we're speaking about that, I did have a question for you that we did not get to. Because when, I, when we talked about, you know, after yep. the protest, what's next? And, you know, figuring out what our demands are and things of that nature. How do we get, like, bills to be voted on, reforms, if, if we say we want to see this change happen like how the process is okay so uh we've talked about identifying who's in leadership and once you identify who's in leadership uh your your local your local officials elected officials you can pull up their record on what they vote for and then that will easily tell you what they stand for um and that's just uh having people that can uh uh you know understand if you vote yes for uh, 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 if you vote yes for for this business to get a business license and 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 you voted yes for this this um, um, I'm trying to think of an example if you voted yes for a new I get I get it for a new strip mall to go in your area but then in that strip mall you have liquor stores fast food restaurants and nothing that's going to create healthy food options nothing that's going to better the community. So now, oh my God! Are exactly. You so now you got to go to that person and say, you know, I want to know your voting record on this, and they have to, they have to be accountable, and they can't lie to you because all of this is public. You go to a, another, another uh, person that's very important uh, in politics is your city clerk. The city clerk has to make a record of all votes 
everything that comes on the agenda for city council meetings and you can pull it it's a open records request and you can find out how people vote and once you start figuring out how people vote and what they vote yay and nay for then you're going to follow the money and once you follow the money then you can go to someone and say and, then, and here's the answer to your question okay i'm tired of this happening in my area i'm tired of xyz happening in my area we did we have a we have a a, a group of people um and you have to have a group of people because you have to have a group of people that do that does what vote we have a group of voters and we're going to invite you out to this meeting and when that person comes to that meeting and they sit in that room and they look and it's about 25 to 30 people what a politician does is say okay I'm in a, I'm in this community let's say black community and I know I won because only a thousand people voted in my district but I'm looking at about 30 to 50 people and they start looking at you start looking at this thing exponentially so exponentially and so if 30 people times two that's 60 times another two that's 120 so you're looking at influencing a 30 uh, uh, a, a cohort of a thousand voters close to 200 people the politician will start paying attention and that's how you do it and you say listen we're not with it anymore you voted on this we don't want you to vote on that anymore and the next time you vote on that we have our eyes on you and we will get you out of office or you could say we appreciate you keeping out strip malls with liquor stores and fast food places in them um what can we do to push this further because we you we have identified that, that you're on the that you're on our side and you want to better our community and so that's your that's your answer you get together first the power of the people voting and you sit down and you start having those conversations and most of the time you uh you're gonna have one or two people that kind of understand how they work you you, you know, hopefully, luckily, you have a person that can that's good with writing and they draft up a response, a response from voting from the voters. And you go to that if, uh, official and you say, this is our this is our demands. This is what we see going on. And can you please put us on the, the next city council meeting? We want to speak as a citizen. You get about three to four minutes, depending on the city. Um, they put you on the agenda and you say your name, your address, and you talk to everyone on the city council and more specifically to your city council person. But more than likely, your city council person would have already talked to you before you get on that agenda. And all of this is recorded now with the whole COVID pandemic going on now a lot of cities are meeting virtually and they're not going to stop doing that so you can get on youtube if you don't feel like going down to the city council meeting because you don't want to catch coronavirus you can get on youtube you can get on zoom meetings and you can pay attention and you can contact people and let them know that you want to voice your opinion and i guarantee you if you have more people around you that vote you can get influence city ordinance you can also i think one of your questions was how can you make a change so say they do have a city ordinance in place about zoning you can say, listen, we're tired of our area being a food desert. What can we do to get some healthy food options here? You have to apply pressure. And we're seeing what's happening now. When you apply pressure, either you bust pipes or you make diamonds. It's time for us to shine and we need to stop the leaking. Well, there it is. Listeners, there it is. He has just given us and rolled out the entire process, how it works, what we need to do, what actions we need to take if we want to see change. Um, <clears throat> and I am hopefully not misspeaking when I say that doing these types of things can also push our city council yeah. members to impact. Yes, it does. Uh, again, the power is in the people, well, but correct? the power is in a, the power is in a voting people. Uh, a lot of our a lot of our people that were doing the uh, hopefully the people that were doing the protesting are definitely going to vote. But a lot of the, the looting and the rioting, there were young kids that probably were not even 18 yet. So that energy has to be 
reorganized, redirected, um, and put into a, a and put into a, a uh, uh, what they used to say, a powder keg. And yeah. when that thing is ready to blow when they're 18, blow right into the voting machine. Absolutely. I remember my son, He his first time voting was um, for the right. <laughs> race uh, with Stacey Abrams and um, our great governor that we have now. <laughs> But um, we literally, you know, I remember the day it rained and we stood outside of our precinct for about maybe two and a half hours. Um, but, you know, it was a defining moment for us. And I was just happy and proud. Like I actually took a picture of him, you know, casting his first vote. And, you know, I've always instilled in both of my children just the importance of voting. Yep. I said, I don't care what people tell you. I don't care what they say to you. Oh, your vote doesn't matter. Oh, there's a system in place and all of those things. I don't get into, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Um, I do yes. believe in machines and things like that. However, yes. I think that when it comes to the local level, I have seen it. I When you see someone like Lucy right. Bath come in and take out Karen Handel, who was the incumbent in that district for I don't know how long. Um, and, you know, when we look back at right. Lucy McBath's history, I don't, she had no, right. no previous political experience, but she stood for something. You know, after losing her son, she really was an advocate for gun reform and, and, and those things. And people believed in her and they voted for her. And so when I saw that, like if I didn't believe in the political process before, I definitely believed it when I saw her win that district. And I said, wow. I, I mean, I right. was just like really, you know, I was happy for her, absolutely, but um, I was I was blown away because that was proof that this process can work. It can work. And so while we're out here, again, you know, with this high emotion and all this energy yes. that we have right now, while we're fired up, we have to put it into action. We have to uh, apply pressure. We have to organize. We have to do what we need to do so that we can make change from the inside out because this is a systemic problem and we there's not just one way of you know of killing this cancer you know sometimes when there's cancer they give you radiation they give you chemo sometimes they go in and they cut it out they take different methods to right. get this one cancer out to make sure that they kill it and that it never comes back and i think that's where we are right now in this process we have to approach this from several different means some of us gonna have to do the chemo some of us gonna have to do the radiation and some of us gonna have to just cut that thing right. out <laughs> and dis and, and, and make sure that it doesn't attach to any other organs within within the body and that's where we are with this um so voting is definitely one yep. of those methods of you know, killing this. Yep. And so Diddy and them talking about uh and I want to close with that. Justice, Be careful guys in our community that we we, we we I don't want to to start pushing that holding the vote. We can't hold anything. We can't hold anything. We have our option. Hold our it, option is, is is uh Joe Biden and he's and he's better than Trump. Say what you say about Joe, we can iron out or and not even iron out. Yeah, we can iron out, but we can dig into what he didn't do, what he did do after he wins. We can apply pressure on him after he wins. The key is after he wins and getting someone out of office uh, that is not good for uh, the people. And so all of this holding the vote, you know, if Diddy's listening, uh, I would love to have a conversation with you. 
um, your, your platform is way too powerful to be talking about holding the vote. And anybody else that agreeing with that, I know some other people. I just don't want to pick on pick on Diddy. I'm a big fan of Diddy. He was one of my role models when I was in um, deep in the music industry. Um, the brother has a lot of good things going on, but we can't hold the vote. That is something crazy that will allow Donald Trump to win again. And that is absolutely not an option. So all of this holding the vote and what you're going to do for the black uh, community and, and all of this. And uh, you know what, people, let's just end that right now. Uh, I'm going on record to saying that is not what I'm about. That is not what I'm agreeing with. Um, I want to call. I, I want to say other things, but I'm going to keep it professional. That is crazy to hold a vote to allow somebody else in because we want to sit back and talk about what someone can do for us in the black community because if you pay attention uh, we had a black president and he wasn't talking about what he was going to give us he did not say any of that at all and if you look at it he uh if, if any if any uh uh group of people people of color would benefit it mostly from Obama, it would be Hispanics because of how he voted in about them having kids and the kids being citizens and they not being, you know, deported and all of that. So the lesson that I learned from that is uh, it's about kingdom. It's about every one of us. And we kind of get together to get someone out of office that is not kingdom minded. He doesn't have kingdom vision and he doesn't care about anybody but himself and other people that look like him. Absolutely. And I'll just add one thing to that because you closed out perfectly. Um, but I, I find it very, it, I, I find it mind blowing how yep. people who are followers of 45, they are followers no matter what. Like it, it doesn't matter. Even with everything that's happening right now, those people who believe in him and who follow him, they don't care what amount of wrong he does. They follow him blindly. They don't, they are loyal to a fault. And I'm not saying to your point that we should be that way. Um, our vote is important. And I do believe that we should hold Joe and any other candidate um, accountable because we've been speaking about accountability this entire time. But, you know, sometimes I think yep. that we. We, we pick and choose who we want to forgive or who we want to hold to such high standards. Like, you know, what he said, I didn't agree yep. with. I, I knew the context that he said it in. It shouldn't have been said, period, but I understood where he was coming from when he said it. And I said, you know, it's, it's funny because if I were to say right. that to my peers, if I were to say, man, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, then you're not, or if you vote for Trump, then you're not black. And no one would think none, no, no, none the wiser, you know, it wouldn't have been taken out of context. It would have been like, you're right. But because he said it and because of the color of his skin, we took that as, oh, you know, how dare he? And, you know, now we're going to hold our vote against him. And to your point, we just cannot afford to gamble right now with that. Um, this man has to go. He has to go because to your point, he does not care about... One thing I will say about President Obama, I didn't agree with everything that he did while he was in office. However, I understood that he is the president of the United States of America, which means every single American. And that was whether they were black, white, man, woman, trans, LGBTQ, whatever the case was. Um, he was the president for everyone, not just specific... And, you know he didn't um he wasn't a respecter of persons and so that's the type of person that we have to have in office not one that only cares about 
whatever your economic status is or whatever the color of your skin is because to be quite honest I don't even know I, I know I think that I'm not even gonna go there um we know that he's he's a lot of things he's uh sexist and he's a xenophobic and he's a homophobic and you know he's definitely racist and so all of those things right. that's not what a leader of right of mm-hmm. the united states of america can be not as diverse as this country is you just can't have a leader like that so no, definitely um, not. i wholeheartedly agree with you um we cannot hold back our right it's not it's not, it's not the not way time for that we do need to hold we do need to hold our politicians accountable but that's not the way to do it um so i want to thank you so much for your time um for you know explaining the process for breaking it down for letting us know what you're doing um if you have any programs in place or anything that you would like to share um with the audience you know with the listeners um ways that they can contact you um you know those types of if they want to follow you if they live in your district they might want to start looking you up absolutely about Um, when you run that race again in 2023 they'll know exactly who Dwayne McLean is um, because it's it's important for us to know who our city council members are and to you, know, you can follow me at uh, McLean for South Fulton. McLean, M C C L A I N for South Fulton. That's my Instagram. Um, and also, my email address is uh, let's see, I have a couple of them going here. I'm going to give you the right one. Uh, so you can also e- uh, send me email at uh, McLean for South Fulton at gmail.com. So again, McLean, M C C L A I N, South Fulton at gmail.com, and also McLean for South Fulton. That's my Instagram uh, name. Uh, my full name is Dwayne McLean, D U A N E M C C L A I N. Easy to remember, it rhymes. I don't know why my parents named me with a rhyming name, uh, but hey, it works. <laughs>